Section 23 of the Counter-Reformation by Adolphus Ward. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5. The Religious Conflict Merged in the Great War, Part 5. The complete triumph in the Danish war of the armies of Emperor and League, which were overrunning the whole of Lower Saxony, over the first substantial Protestant combination which had yet been formed, intoxicated the Catholic world with joy. Even Pope Urban VIII took up the notion, which both Olavatus and Richelieu pretended to favor, of a new grand armada against Protestant England, poor Queen Anne being assigned the part of a kind of latter-day Mary Queen of Scots. The air was full of other visionary schemes, and although the arrogance of Wallenstein was defied by the walls of Stralsund, never had the power of the House of Habsburg been more imposing, or its exertions on behalf of the Catholic reaction more varied. Ferdinand II had armies in the field in the Low Countries, in Poland and before Mantua, and soon Pope Urban VIII must have consented to crown him Roman Emperor on Italian soil and rather more than two months before concluding peace with his vanquished adversaries at Lübeck, May 1629, he promulgated the Edict of Restitution, which sought to carry back the religious history of the empire more than seventy years. Afterwards, when the Edict of Restitution had proved to have been a fatal blunder, it was declared to have been inspired by the craft of Richelieu, in truth, it originated in the desire expressed at Mühlhausen, 1627, by the members of the League and by the spiritual electors in particular, that all Catholic complaints as to violations of the Reservatum Ecclesiasticum should be settled once for all by a general imperial rescript. The moment naturally seemed propitious for redressing those long-standing and bitter grievances, the occupation by Protestant administrators of bishoprics and abbeys held immediately of the empire, and the confiscation of smaller conventual estates by Protestant, especially Calvinist, governments. The elector of Saxony at once showed signs of alarm, and it was some time before the emperor himself was gained over to the scheme. But it opened too seductive a prospect for rewarding his faithful servants, and for endowing the cadets of his house, such as his son Leopold William, for whom were destined the great North German seas of Bremen, Verden, Minden, Halberstadt, and Magdeburg. Neither, however, was the religious side of the question lost sight of, and the emperor's confessor Lammermann and the papal nuncio Caraffa looked forward not only to the restoration of wealth to the church, but also to the salvation of hundreds of thousands of souls. In many Catholic eyes, the recovery of the whole of Germany was a mere question of time, and Ferdinand II's own mind was peculiarly open to such ideas. Thus, the Edict of Restitution promulgated by him, March 1629, was so radical in its provisions as to render every archbishopric, bishopric, or ecclesiastical foundation whatever immediate to the empire, that had not been in Protestant hands before 1552, liable to being forcibly brought back into the Roman communion, 
while the retrospective validity of the Reservatum Ecclesiasticum for the period 1517 to 1552 was left a dangerously open question. Implicitly, the exercise in the empire of any confession by the side of the Roman, except that of Augsburg, was prohibited. Explicitly, the expulsion of Protestant inhabitants from the territories of Catholic estates was approved. This latter proceeding, though at the time of the religious peace of Augsburg, the attempt had been expressly made to guard against it, had been persistently resorted to by Catholic, especially spiritual princes. The execution of the edict spread terror far and near among the Protestant estates, both those which had taken part in the Danish war and those which, like Saxony, had loyally abstained from opposing the emperor in arms. Material interests and religious and educational likewise, to a very considerable extent, were threatened by its incidents. In the imperial cities of Alsace, in the diocese of Augsburg, in the feudal network of the Franconian circle, the edict was carried out with relentless rigor, and it was enforced in those parts of the empire which, like the lower Saxon circle, were still under the control of the legistic or imperial forces, while passive and at times active resistance was opposed to it in Württemberg, Hesse-Kassel, and the neighboring districts and elsewhere. By the autumn of 1631 there had been recovered for the Church of Rome two archbishoprics, Bremen and Magdeburg, after fire and sword had overthrown this chancery of God, five bishoprics, two immediate abbeys, and nearly 150 churches and convents, with about 200 personages in villages and towns hitherto Protestant, and a great increase of these numbers was in near prospect. From the nature of the case, a large proportion of the recoveries fell to the older and less active orders, the Benedictines and Cistercians, but the Jesuits were vigilant, and would probably in the end have been the chief gainers. On the other hand, great indignation was excited among the members of the League by the application of so many of the gains to the purposes of the Habsburg dynasty, and by the unscrupulous action of the imperial general Wallenstein. These differences, which led to the dismissal of Wallenstein, June 1630, did not interfere with the operation of the edict, but they encouraged John George of Saxony to maneuver against it, and at the Frankfurt Convention, autumn 1631, to demand its revocation. Had this demand or that of Bavaria for a postponement of execution for forty years been granted, the revolt of Saxony and the estates following her lead might conceivably even now have been averted. As it was, after the fruits of the alliance between Saxony and Gustavus Adolphus had been swiftly secured by his great victory at Breitenfeld, September 17, 1631, the Edict of Restitution became a dead letter. About half the operations taken in hand under its provisions had been actually carried out before the close of the year 1631. The collapse of the victorious reaction marked by the Edict was due to the sword of Gustavus Adolphus, but it was prepared in no small measure by the fears and jealousies excited by the edict itself. The year notable for the issue of the Edict of Restitution, 1629, is also marked by the Las Huguenots rising in France, when its leader Rouen 
accepted the agreement known as the Peace of Alais, a chapter closed in the history of France and of French Protestantism. The latter ceased to be an imperium and imperio, and Richelieu began to feel his hands free for a national policy of opposition to the House of Habsburg, and in the first instance to Spain. Skillfully availing himself of Italian feeling and of Pope Urban VIII's growing opposition to the Habsburg policy, he intervened with a high hand in the question of the Mantuan succession, 1630-31, effected secret understandings with Savoy and Bavaria, and concluded an agreement with Gustavus Adolphus, of which he, of course, intended to keep the development in his own hands. End of section 23